Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the next episode in the Rocket Punch Game of the Year 2017 Deliberations. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Cameron, here alongside my partner in crime, Mr. Will. What's going on, man? Um, not a whole lot. Just uh, continuing on, continuing on. You sound so excited. So, so thrilled. Uh, I mean, let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> that cold getting to you yet? Wearing you down yet? Slightly. A little bit, a little bit. All right, man, you got to keep it up. You got to keep it up. We're ready to go, man. We're, have, we're having a blast here going through our Game of the Year deliberation episodes. Guys, if you did not know, if you're a normal listener of Rocket Punch and the Rocket Punch cast, normally we have episodes going on, but throughout the month of January, we actually go through our Game of the Year episodes, I'm giving you guys the breakdown of how our Game of the Year works and our housekeeping at the top of this episode. We have our Game of the Year episodes. There are 10 total. We have 10 different categories. Each category will be released each week this month, um, usually every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We will release an episode on each respective day. Um, what this basically does is allows us, we basically come up with our categories. We create nominees for each of those categories. And basically, the Rocket Punch crew sits down and we deliberate over those nominees whittle it down to three finalists and then determine out of those three finalists who deserves to take the crown of that of the winner of that particular category for our game of the year awards. Pretty simple stuff, right? Can't can't complain. Yeah, I mean I already know who's gonna win. Win what? Okami. Oh, man, if 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 remasters were allowed, maybe next year we'll do uh, a I'm best trolling. remaster. Best remaster. I'm trolling remasters and uh pre release games aren't allowed. Yeah, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. Not here. Not at Rocket Punch, yo. Um, we got standards. <laughs> but like I said, guys, each episode will have a category. That category will have six nominees. We'll um, whittle it down after we talk about each nominee in detail to three finalists. And then from those three finalists, we will pick one winner. Um, we do not have a second and third place. We'll just have one winner and then two runners up. Um, we found this is really, really fun uh, way to kind of, since we play similar games but we don't always play exactly the same stuff a good way for us to come to the table talk about the games we played last year and really determine what we think is the cream of the crop um and from that last year the cream of the crop yeah get your get your best um macho man randy savage impersonations going on here but um each week as a special little tidbit something different we were doing than years past uh, one category will be streamed live each week on twitch.tv slash rocket live um, on this Sunday at 8 p.m. Central Time. It's not this episode either. Um, it will be the um, biggest fail episode uh, for mm. this week as this goes live. Um, mm. We'll be streaming that this Sunday. We'll, if you're listening to this, you probably missed it already. But definitely stay tuned for um, each Sunday. We'll be streaming one of the 10 episodes um, each Sunday night there. But as always, guys, if you're following up on our Game of the Year coverage, make sure you're going to rocketpunchgo.com slash G-O-T-Y, or you can just go to rocketpunchgo.com, go to the main page. They'll have it right. It'll be plastered right on the main um, banner there. You'll take your link directly to all of our Game of the Year categories and the nominees we selected. Um, as we pick each winner out of each episode, we will update that site as we go through. So you'll know, um, and you'll also be able to have a deep link directly to that episode if you want to listen in on our deliberations as to why we chose that winner. Um, you'll also, if you're going to that link as well, you can also go to our people's choice polls where you can make your voices heard and vote on the, um, nominees that we're deliberating on right now. And at the end of the month, when we actually have our final game of the year discussion, we will go through those, um, have a nice little page showing what the people said. 
what they picked and see if we match with them, if they match with us, and we, how that goes. It'll be pretty cool. Uh, kind of that's another first we did this year too. I'm actually excited about the People's Choice one. People's Choice will be interesting. Yeah, it'll be really really cool to see what everybody says. So definitely again, guys, go rocketpunchgo.com. Just go directly to the top banner there. You'll see Game of the Year stuff all this month and click there, vote in the People's Choice polls and definitely check out the nominees we have here. Now, two things before we get started. Uh-oh. Um, as as a, as a courtesy Will and I will try our best to avoid them, but in each of our categories, there may be a need to talk about spoilers. And sometimes we'll spoil them for you, sometimes we'll spoil them for us. It's just the nature of the business here, but we will do our best to give you a spoiler warning ahead of time. That way, if you have not played this game and you don't want to get ruined by it, and then you have at least a couple of minutes you can kind of get a break. We'll cut you a little bit of a break. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. Go ahead and assume there will be spoilers. There usually is some aspect here as we debate and kind of make cases for or against these nominees here um, as well. But also as well, if you're loving the show, you're loving the content that Rocket Punch does, make sure to swing by our Patreon page to help support us. Patreon.com slash Rocket Punch for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support the show, Rocket Punch, as well as get cool bonus episodes, gifts, and all sorts of cool stuff on there. And we've got a lot of stuff cool stuff playing for Patreon members this year and uh, just rocket punch content this year. So we're really excited and everybody, all of our supporters at Patreon are helping us do that each and every day. So we appreciate them very, very much. Yarg. But without further ado, because the, the, the last time we recorded an episode, it was an hour and a half. Maybe we would get that same length. Maybe not. We'll see what happens. It just depends on how the conversation takes it. Yep. Let's go through for this particular episode. This is for, uh, this is the Rocket Punch Game of the Year 2017 award for Best Presentation. Um, now, let me give you a quick rundown, give everyone a rundown of what we mean by Best Presentation. Uh, best Presentation is it's awarded to a game studio or game for outstanding creative vision and innovation in a game direction and design of their respective video game. This is going to be stuff that just... Things like world building, how the world is presented to us, that landscape, and like you know, could be things like how believable is are they bringing us into that world, how true to life is it, how unique is it, things like that. How, basically, what we're seeing on screen and how this game is presented to us, what really truly stood out for us in 2017. All right, our nominees for best presentation are. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, Cuphead, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, and Resident Evil 7. It's a stout lineup there, Will. It's very stout. Do you want the shotgun first or should I? <laughs> Let's go ahead and start. Let's go through. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about each of the nominees respectively. And then at the end, we will um, do our deliberations to pick... Who gets the top? Who's the top dog? Um, so let's start. Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Will man, what? How do you feel as far as best presentation that this game stacks up um, to the rest? Of, I mean, for the year. So, if you want the definition of a game that sells a platform, you only have to look at Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I, I, let's just be honest. That was the driving force for a lot of the early switch sales the game outsold the console 
the Switch version of the game outsold the console. Yep, it's like a 104% attach rate. Yeah, for the first few months because people couldn't find a Switch to play it on, but they weren't sure if the game was going to be available, so they picked the game up well, they, anyway. A lot of people bought the collector's editions, and they didn't get the system yet, so they just bought this. Like, I can't wait to play you when my Switch comes in. It's like, it's just absolutely mind-boggling to me that you can have an attach rate higher than there are consoles That's out different. there. I think... Right, I think as of the last Nintendo report for Switch sales, I think Zelda was fifty-five percent of total Switch sales, which is over t- over thirteen million worldwide, I believe, right now. So fifty-five percent of the thirteen million owners of Switches that, that's have massive. Yeah, that's uh, and that's even that's not even like the top one. I think Mario's still the top dog, which makes sense because Mario's the more recognizable. Character. Well, I mean, you know, when the prime minister of your nation. Gets comes out to introduce the Olympics is coming to his nation and he's wearing a Mario hat. That should say something yeah, about big, brand recognition. Very very big deal. Like Nintendo is the Disney of of Japan. <laughs> Video games of Japan or whatever. Well, no, I would say Studio Ghibli was the Disney of Japan. We're, we're splitting hairs. We're splitting. Hey, we're, look, man, look. That's not the conversation we're having right now. We're talking no. about we're talking about Zelda. Best presentation. Um, there. Well, so think about it. The first time you step foot out onto the plateau after you wake up. Which is like within the first like five minutes of the game. Right. And you see the vastness of it. And it's literally, look, child, everything the light touches, you can go to. (laughs) All right, Mufasa. (laughs) But no, seriously, like, oh, there's just the Twin Peaks over there. I'm going to climb it. You can if you have the stamina. Like it, you literally, it's insane to be able to say, Hey, the idea of Skyrim, the idea of Zelda, make them have a baby. This is what we get. <laughs> that was really cool. And especially talking up Breath of the Wild and on its release, like you said, like you, you will remember that time you're in the small enclosed space, you get up, they trying to teach you very basic stuff about learning how to play the game. And then as soon as you walk out, it's just it. You run up to the edge and you look over and you see Hyrule Castle and you see all this crap. You're like, whoa. And that's not even the whole map. Nope. That's just like the front, like third that you can kind of see, but you can't really see what's behind the um, Hyrule Castle. And then it just kind of just like, okay, it gives you back control and says, go. Yeah. And the the premise that, for, I know a lot of speedrunners are happy that you can take this game. If you so chose, you're full of Took. But if you wanted to, you could go straight to Hyrule Castle, straight to Ganon, and get your ass kicked. And then realize, man, I better play the game a little before I actually... To be it. fair, Chaz has done that. And, like, Master Mode, he got to Ganon and started the Ganon fight. But did he finish? Uh, for, <laughs> well, no, he was doing it for our charity stream. Okay. So I ended up taking over before he could finish. But it is... Even then, I mean, like, it, the fact that you can do that, and, pun intended, the breadth of stuff that you can, that that game shows you you can do. The cooking in that game could be its own game. Oh, <laughs> man, you know, I'm, I'm a, I love cooking. <laughs> that was, it was so addictive. I'm like, I, I, sitting there, not even thinking, like, man, you don't have potions and stuff in this game, and I better start cooking. Like, I, got, I, got, I got some bananas, I got some meat. Got some flour. Let me throw something in here and make some food and just like the cool little stuff you can make. And you use that as your health. You don't have potions. It was really, really cool. And I think that even talking on that, it, one of the points you wrote in here in the notes, Breath of the Wild was really a new take on the Legend of Zelda formula. 
Yeah. It, you still have the three pieces of, you know, the Triforce, you know, Link, Princess Zelda, Ganon. That's about it. That's that's the only thing that really that's carried about, over. That's about the framework, kind of the overarching story. But in this world, you know, we're all used to, okay, we're going to come in. We're going to get the story explained to us at the start. We're going to go. There's going to be a linear way we have to go. There's like three dungeons we have to do. And then after the three dungeons, there's this huge plot point that happens. And then we're going to go and something happens. Then we got like three or four or five more dungeons. And then we get to Ganon. And there's this linear path you go to. And in Breath of the Wild... You literally, like I said, you can go to Ganon right off the gate. You can go anywhere right out of the gate from the start. And your clothing affects how you can survive in that climate. Yep. It, I if mean, it's cold. You need warmer clothing or a torch. It, we talked about, um, I think I mentioned it as well before, at least today, like uh, the Gerudo Desert. It's yeah. It's hot. It's sweltering hot in midday, but at night it is freezing cold. And the yep. temperature gauge, you have to you make food or put on clothes that help keep you warm or hot, depending on the environment you're in. Yep. Uh, the, the pure fact that you have these four, you have these divine beasts that you have to go wake up. You can tackle them anyway. Like, uh, how did you tackle the divine beasts? So I, I went Rito Village. I went Zora Village. Then I went Goron. Then I went Gerudo. Okay, I went Zora, Goron, Gerudo, and now I'm working on, as of this recording, I'm in Rito Village working on that one as well. And it that shows such versatility. Oh, and, yeah, you can start any of them in any organ, order. It does not matter. And it really... For an open world game and for the um, Nintendo to come out and make Zelda turn it into this open world game that really does feel open. I mean, exploring all these worlds, you leave these areas. I didn't want to leave Gerudo Valley. I'm like, man, there's a lot of quests I want to do in here. And I still haven't explored like the back half of the desert here. I want to go back there on a sand seal and woo, what's going on? It It's really something, man. <laughs> I cannot. The Nintendo did an excellent job of making you feel feel that how open that world is every time i look on that map like i remember telling my wife i was showing her when i only had like the right half of the map field like oh hey look here's the map and you zoom out then you zoom out again then you zoom out again then you zoom out one more time and you're like oh that's only half a map all these other spaces over here that's still like place i haven't been to yet and you're like what is going on yeah or hang on have you taken a moment to uh just throw on a metal shield and slide down the side of a mountain oh the shield, shield surfing yeah yeah i ran into the um shield surfing brothers on the top of the hill have you run into them mm -hmm. yeah and like doing the shield surfing it's super fun it's actually got me out of a, a jam real quick like i was getting beat and i'm like oh shield surf <laughs> they're like no they're like come back it now, all... have, have you experienced horseback combat yet a little bit yeah I actually killed a bunch of bokoblins how do you say that name um Use it. I, I found the easiest weapon to use is the spear because you got like a long reach. You got yeah. Pokemon the, um, there, but like talking about presentation of this game, like all the things you can do there, it really makes you feel like there's so much to do. I think for me, Breath of the Wild, I think as vast as it is, and I don't think this is necessarily an issue with Zelda, but just with open world games in general, mm -hmm. is that it's so big, there's only so much you can do. Like, there, there are going to be pockets where it's just land and stuff, you walk, and there's not much going on, but 
the legend what what breath of the wild does so well is it doesn't make you feel that way when you're playing it you feel like everywhere you're walking you see creatures there you got some bugs to catch you see somebody walking in oh they might be selling you something they might be someone you want to talk to they may oh, be part of the eager clan yeah that's what I say. and it, like you never know what's going on like I, I, again i remember the first time i talked to somebody and it was the eager clan i'm like oh shit <laughs> oh, God. this person just jumped out of nowhere and is attacking me it's so cool and being a big Zelda fan and not this this game already had huge hype behind it and it delivered and then some, I think. I would agree. Now, you haven't fought Ganon yet, right? I have not. So what I'm about to say will have spoilers in it, guys. Just a heads up. Uh, but it goes to the presentation. Damn it. Go ahead. Spoilers <laughs> for Breath of the Wild. And I'm literally like right on the edge. It's going to kind of piss me off. But go ahead. I'm sorry. But so after you beat him initially, he transforms into a wild boar. Of course. Um, you then are given a, a bow of light. Okay. Yeah. That, that, see, that, that sounds like almost every other right. Zelda game. I've Twilight Princess. Skyward Sword. Don't remember. Um, but no, it's the way they do it. In that environment. So, you know that big open field? That you're like, why is that open? What what belongs here? In Hyrule Castle? Near it. Okay, I'll have to take your word for it because I have not... all Anywhere near Hyrule Castle, I've not bothered to fool around with yet. Until okay. I make my final descent into madness. Um. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about that actual fight itself. There's Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. But, no, it's just... It shows that they planned for all of this to happen and just the way that you do that fight and the way it's experienced in that environment, it, it's a beautiful set piece for the Switch. There was a me- there was a method of madness. Absolutely. And so that's why I said there's going to be some spoilers because it is a set piece moment that needs to be, you need to talk about it as far as presentation, um, the way Zelda finally sees Link, all of that. It is a big build-up, and it's. I know there. It's a story game without a lot of story, but their story you have to find it. It's, it's beautiful actually. I mean, but yeah, we're not talking about best story. We're talking about. Oh no, no, I, yeah. I know. I'm talking about the way they present it to you, because then you'll get these moments where it's like, oh, hey, in this area, like this flashback, and you see like. Link and Zelda on this quest, Zelda's quest to try to find all this stuff beforehand. She's not some just weak, useless princess. Yay, finally! In but it just again like Nintendo did such an amazing job of making every inch of that world of that map feel so unique. Like you go into the, I didn't expect to run into a jungle down south on the map and it's like there's this small area where it's just lightning all the time and you have this area this huge bridge and this dragon pops up and i'm like oh god run and and you go on this active volcano when you're walking in and just making the trek to the volcano was just like wow this is super super cool it's just something else man i can't applaud them enough for what they did as far as the presentation they did for this game it was a uh... I don't think I'll forget this game anytime soon. I still have to hundred percent it. I was gonna say uh, I'm looking at this last point. You it takes a it takes a while to finish it. Now it, you put in here can be a long haul if you want to hundred percent the game. Most you, talk more about that or at least a little bit about it. So you have to find every shrine, beat all the shrines, 
And then on top of that, then they added the DLC with the master mode. Oh yeah. So oh, so you're a masochist. You you like to play uh you know, these really hard and difficult games. We got a mode for you. Don't you worry. <laughs> but it, yeah, it makes you start all over. And too. I think that well even so that that's the nature of open world games to a sense like whether it's shrines or tokens or something else. So look, I quote collectathon here, but with the breadth of that world and how it's presented to you, they do a good job of you not realizing like it's a chore. Now the thing is though, I don't see the shrines as a chore because every time you beat it, you get another piece towards more stamina or another heart. That's true. So I mean, that, that's it, it good goes just, towards your resources. Yeah, that's good open world just mechanics and stuff like that, as opposed to some like some other games where it's just like you collect the. I mean, the one big thing actually, I. I I, the one thing as far as presentation, if we're talking about collectathons, is those stupid Korok seeds. That is, come on, you get nine hundred seeds and you don't get anything. Don't don't shrug that off. You'd be mad too if you like. If if you didn't know, you walked in there and you're like, hey, I had yeah. No. But the thing is, I looked that up because I was like, is this actually worth? That's what I'm saying. Like, if you didn't know and you got all, you worked your butt off to get them all, and you're like, what do I get? And they're like. Pat on the back. Good job. And you would be a little salty. Little salty. But eh, I mean, I've spent some time with the uh, time freeze and the sledgehammer trying to hit a boulder just right so it goes up to do, do things. So I think there's some good play in the game it, as well. Well, I, I, I'm, literally, that's a, like a, a piece of dust on your a brand new car. It's literally meaningless. It doesn't mean any, like it's. But it, it just uh, talking about presentation, we talked about collectathons and stuff like that. It's something to bring up. I remember that. And it. One of the things that's why I, I collect them just to, in order to get extra slots for weapons. That's about it. Um, there. Well, hang on, that is something right there. That's your reward. You can carry more crap. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sorry, water. But again, presentation standpoint, ex- ex- exemplar. I. It, it is. A, I love. I love being in that world. Not only that, the art style is just phenomenal for what they like. The way they cell shaded everything, it mm. just fits. Yeah, it's. It's not too happy. It's not too sad. It's right. Just right. Next up is Horizon Zero Dawn. Man, I love this game. It's so awesome. Um. Starting so I'm, I'm going over some of the points here that you put in here to see um, what's going on. It, I let me look at this list here. Okay, I feel comfortable saying is Horizon Zero Dawn's open world is probably the most beautiful and technically impressive open world from 2017, in my opinion. I've never. If we're going on the like back end technical masterpiece tier, yeah. Um, the reason I say it, I would agree with you is like if you actually have a PS4 Pro and an HDR TV, oh my god. Well, not even that, not even if you don't have a PS4 Pro, oh, no. just the I'm, I'm saying, but like you get that special treat when you have that setup. Horizon Zero Dawn's their presentation in the world, you're just talking about the world building, really. Is so it's dense. You're walking through when you feel these trees and this flora and this fauna. And you're, you're they're trying to convey this world of a, a, a world that has been taken over by vegetation after a thousand years of human extinction, more I, or less. I believe the term is post post 
post-apocalyptic. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter how many posts you add on the damn thing. We know what it means, and just the it's okay, Aloy. The robots won't mess with you anymore. <laughs> the way they, the way this world was designed, was so impressive, especially when you look at some of their prior work with. Killzone, the Killzone game, Shadowfall was a kind of the stepping stone to get to this point. I, I will say though, Shadowfall was also technically beautiful in the way it was approached and set up. That's why I said it was so, a it's a stepping stone to Horizon Zero Dawn, and a lot of the biomes that you see in here very similar to the Breath of the Wild, where you have your desert area, you have your huge kind of foresty areas, you have your snow areas and stuff like that. It I've one of the things that, at least from a world that technically impresses me, is the amount of detail that that's why I said this world is so dense. Like when you go into snow in Horizon Zero Dawn, your footprints are tracked in the snow. Yeah, they they track you when snow blows and wind blows and it covers up your footprints. When yeah. you're falling and dragging around, and you can see it that imprint when you're in the snow, when you're in the water, it tracks you when you have stuff in the water you see the dust and whatnot and kind of very, very similarly to breath of the wild. When you see stuff in the distance, like I'm going to go there, let's go there. And you can, you go and you climb that point on there and in conveying their, in doing their world building for this world, it was immaculate. I, that no, my opinion, no game looks as good as horizon to, did from this year. As far as like from a world standpoint and looking at that open world, I, every time I look at that world on my PS4 Pro, I'm in awe. Absolute awe. I will tell you, as far as a visual masterpiece, once you change your TV out, play it some more. Oh, I can't, I can't wait. I, I've, got, I've got plans to get an OLED TV, and I just, like that is the game I'm... That kind of stands to the test of time for this presentation. That's the game that I want to play when I get my 4K TV OLED and plug my ps4 pro in that's the game yeah like i got my uh, bravia i went the led 4k hdr pro it is beautiful (laughs) it is one of those things that like for whatever reason oleds never looked right for me uh i mean that was my big issue with the first gen vitas oled oled yeah but i will say that as far as beauty there is not a game from this year or the last 10 that stands to it it, Personal opinion, but I, without a doubt, there's nothing more pleasing to just sit there and explore. Yeah, I mean, they, they put a photo mode in the game, and it's used well. Like, so many, I think they have photo contests, and some of the photos I've seen of the world is just so, it's so vivid and bright. Like, oh, One of the most popular ones I've seen on Reddit is, uh, I can't remember the name of the dinosaur, like, pterodactyl-like dinosaur thing. The Stormbird? Yeah, the Stormbird, and Aloy's doing a heart in front of it. Because yeah. <laughs> they, they added... When you do go into photo mode, you can have Aloy different poses and whatnot. There's the heart. There's the thinking phase. There's a lot of cool things they do with photo mode. But and they just got like that the lightning ball like in her the heart in her hands. It's just like oh my god, that is perfect. And even uh, uh, I want to let you talk a little bit about this as well. Yeah, you put a point in here. The robot dinosaurs. It actually makes sense in a weird way. Like talk about that. No, like when so step back and think of the first time you walk into a cauldron. And yes, there may be spoilers, guys. Sorry. I hate to be that guy, but first time you walk into a cauldron and you see it's like, oh, wait, what's going on here? Wait, this is the thing making them. 
oh yeah and you get down to that bottom area and it's like and it, it's in the dome and it goes down and you have to fight one of the um i think is yeah. it is it a thunder jaw well they no, have different no. ones for each you know cauldron because there's more than one kids surprise one of the cauldrons does have a thunder jaw in it that you have to kill um i, b- I believe you better have a trip caster yeah or a rope caster rope casters work rope well. caster sorry it um you know what i'm talking about you you trip wires <laughs> cameron's tricks of the trade for taking down a thunder jaw Rope cast it, take it down, knock one of the disc launchers off the back. And use the disc launcher as a big wreck, old Kamehameha. Wreck his crap so hard. It's, it makes it so easy. But it having the... Even just the cauldrons. And like, you're going from the top level in this all this open world floor and fauna. And you've got on these cauldrons that are these dark, dank, machine, matrix-like... And it's just like, wait, what the hell's going on? Systems here, here going on. Yeah, it, it's it's so so striking that which goes into that story. Like, and you see, like how it makes sense in a weird way when you're roaming in. Just it, as far as a percentage, you're walking in, and all of a sudden you see this pack of animals, and you you're like how it conveys you're doing your combat, and you have to find a bush, and like, okay, I got. This one has a canister on its back. If I take a fire arrow and nick that canister, I can cause an explosion. If I set a trip caster over here, then if they get pushed that way, they'll blow up again and I can get some of the underbelly stuff. And you, I guess, you learn all these components for these different animals. So you have a tactic for each dinosaur robot you're interacting with. Or you just Kaioken and murder everything. You can also do that as well. Yeah, I'm the tactical one. Will's like that. The, no, this isn't Far Cry yet. <laughs> Far Cry, I go full on ninja. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But it, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, I think from a presentation, presentation standpoint, again, like one of the best, one of those beautiful open worlds this year, if not the best, in my opinion. Gameplay, combat mechanics, one of, like, very tight combat play. Yeah. Which Gorilla's always done well with. I've enjoyed, like, we both enjoyed the kill zone combat. They, I think they've nailed the combat when you have the bow and arrow and you can easily switch, use the wheel to switch between your weapon and what um, element you want to use. I think Killzone was the perfect stepping stone into this franchise because it means they had to nail combat before and they were able to take what they learned and apply it in a third person open world. Yeah. And, and not in, in the, oh, so many ways, like Shadowfall was their stepping stone just on the PS4. Like, how does the PS4 work? People, people, some people give Killzone Shadowfall shade, but like, think of what Horizon would have been if not for Killzone Shadowfall. It's true. And it, um, it like, <clears throat> I, you put on here as well one of the points taking control of robots. That's fun when you get like a pack of them and you get one of the, um, oh, I can't remember one of the Sabretooth Tiger ones. You take control of that and you let them wreck everything else. It's great. It, the, the, what Horizon Zero Dawn is trying to drive from a presentation standpoint, in my opinion, is driving home the fact that it wants, excuse me, wow, I had a lot of food here. It takes the point, you're in this post-post-apocalyptic world, there aren't any guns, it's bows and arrows and tribes and stuff like that, but you have dinosaurs that are mechanical walking death machines. And, Which may or may not have lightning guns on them. Yeah, exactly. And radars and these beams of lasers that come down on you. And it, you would think, and I've watched the documentaries and stuff, you think, oh, robot dinosaurs, what? But it, 
the way they present it makes so much sense in this game. So much sense. And it it really, like the beauty of this world has really just pulled me in. Um, the, the dinosaurs are some of the most unique enemies from 2017. Yes. Um, something you, I don't think we've, as far as an enemy type, you're never going to see, you, didn't, you don't see anything like that from other games this year. And um, nope, not at all. And again, I think I said it in one episode, but like beating the drum, like all of this is from a studio who have been making kill zone games for years. That's all they did was first person games. And they, they were the archetypal shooter, bro, just development team. That's what they did. And they nailed this out of the park, in my opinion, as far as just like bringing this world to life and making it so beautiful and so worth wanting to explore. I can agree with you. Anything else? No. It's beautiful. Play it. If you don't have a PS4, buy one to play it. There you go. Rocket punch seal approval. So the next one, you'll never see it coming. Um, I'm glad you read that. <laughs> it um, Persona Five. What? Uh, okay, so uh, we're okay, remember best presentation. What? How are you feeling about Persona Five? It has a unique style all its own. It like the other Persona games. Um, th- three was blue, four was yellow. As far as uh, primary color scheme, color scheme. Yeah. Um, five is red. And they did such an amazing job with just nailing the character design, the world, everything. Also, for the animated sequences, they were done by Production IG. Of course they were. Of course, <laughs> of course they were. Jesus, man. That's why they're making the anime. Um, they already got the assets. Like, oh, let's make the anime. But no, in that regard, though, it was an amazing experience. Like, if you've never played this game, sit through the opening of it and just you will not see anything like this at all until the next persona game. It, it there like, is nothing like this series. It's very is like very Japanese, very anime, like very stylistic in the sense that you, you just, it's especially in the first scene, which it's upbeat. Like you're throughout the entire game. You're like, dude, you know? Yeah. Well, it's not just upbeat though. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the missions and the things you end up going on are stylized in such a way because they were inspired by like Lupin the Third and you know all the um, what's the uh, the thief from Sherlock Holmes, the French thief. Um, God, uh, LeBlanc. I, I think so. I think, I, man, it's on the. It, I can't remember the name exactly, but the coffee shop is actually named either after the author that helped write for that character. What, yeah, that's LeBlanc. what that was, LeBlanc. LeBlanc was the guy that helped write that um, thief yeah. for the actual series. Um, but then Joker's persona is actually based off of that thief from that book. I, I've I've been doing some reading on this. Game. Like, yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so many like deep layer stuff for that from the characters, from the personas, the arcanas. The Arcanas oh. are based off actual tarot cards. Um, yep. We play as the the fool or the Joker because you start as a blank slate and you become what you want to become, which yeah. is <clears throat> and g- giving Persona Five props like that. The way everything is presented to you, you wouldn't think like you're hearing this game is like okay during the day you're going to school you're being a student, 
you're living the kid, your student's life, and then at in the evening time, in the afternoon, you're going to take people's hearts. Or you're going to work at a part-time job. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, or you're going to, yeah, jeez. Oh, and it's so... Still, I mean, it, it makes you want to do these things, though. It, it shows that... In, and that the real world in that game is more twisted, in fact, than the actual... The Phantom Realm. The Phantom Realm. I can't remember what the exact realm is. Yeah. Was it Netherverse or... Oh, yeah. Well, somebody, it, it, you can Google it figured out. Yeah. But the, the point is, like, Kamoshida's Castle. Let's talk about that real quick as far as presentation and showing how twisted and dark a heart can be. Look at the kind of spirits that spawn in there. As far as, like, what? So, like, when you walk in there, you don't just have, like, knights and armor and all that stuff. You have other wayward spirits that are kind of in there. Other personas that you can adopt and all yep. that. And what's the one that freaked you out a little Oh, the, 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 um... The, the imp. The imp. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, you think that's bad. Holy crap. Wait till oh, no, you get no. to the end of the game. Oh, 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 oh trust me. I, I know. There's crazy stuff There's in this game. wacky-ass crap in there. I'll tell you what. But it, the way they present that stuff, it's just like, what the hell is that? Oh, Jesus, that's what that is. It. What's also... I make a point of this as well. I think it's worth talking about. Is like when you, when you have RPGs, they tend to be long. But this game doesn't make you feel like that. No, um, I'm... It, there, it, I, there's no area that makes it... I, I'm, I'm going to caveat this. The, near the end of the game, it does feel just a little bit grindy. I, it, but it's a JRPG. It's it's a JRPG. But for Persona 5's credit, the like everything up to that is so smooth and fluid, and you're always on the next. Like, oh man, I gotta save this person, or I gotta change this person's heart in time so they don't do this to us is just like you never miss a beat and you just can't stop. You always want to know what's the next story beat, what's going to happen next. And it's so awesome. It's just like that, that my one nitpicky thing is with Persona 5 was just the last little bit is a little grabby, little bit, a little bit. And I, and it's, it's because of how, it's because of what happens near the end of the game. And you're basically in this dungeon for a much longer time than the rest of your dungeons. Getting eh. But like you said, it is a JRPG. It's one of those I kind of expect at one point to hit a spot where you have to grind to be able to get to the end. So I get that. I've, I've played MMOs. I've, I'm playing Final Fantasy Online again. Just to <laughs> so you are. You did it, say that. It's one of those where I'm okay with a grind if there's a, a positive end goal. I mean, uh, again, uh, by that point, you're already like 90-something hours in, so you're just like, look, I just got to go, got to finish it. Gotta. So I, I got to say, though, just as an example of like how they present the coffee shop and the music in the background, the art on it, it feels welcoming. There's not a point where you walk into LeBlanc and feel like, I don't need to be here. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I would, I would never say that. No, not at all. It, um, per, like all of the palaces in them of themselves are very vastly, uniquely different. Each one you go to is nothing like the last. Kamoshida, the first one, has the castle. We we talked in one episode about Futaba and uh, the pyramids. Yep. Um, there's one that's a bank. 
Yeah, and then um, then there's the art museum. There's art museum there, and it's just they're all so unique and different, and it's like you're visiting its own biome each time you go into a palace, new palace, it's like yeah. its own little new they world. Have their own music and everything. Yep. It's it's really awesome, and man, like it makes you want to play, continue to play. I, I think I told you like Persona 5 is one of the first JRPGs in a long time where I put a hundred hours into the game and I wanted to go back and start a new game. You know, you can after. Oh January. yeah. Oh yeah. No, yeah. After no. January. I got to look, man, the backlog is real. It's super real. I got a lot of games to play, but it just, it's really, man, I've, I remember waiting for that game. So excited for that game. And this is after like, I've only played Persona 4 before this. And just like, oh, I got to play Persona 5. It's awesome. No, this is my first proper Persona game. I've played some of the Shin Megami Tensei games on DS, mm-hmm. but never a Persona game. Um, because of that, I ended up buying them on the Vita. Even, oh, the, P- oh, yeah. even the PSP uh, re-releases. They were on sale. Because they, they did the digital re-release, so I bought all of them. So I'm going to go through and play them all. But it is... I've not had... Like, I've had the experience of Zelda and, you know, and everything else this year. But there's one game where the art, like, dude, I'll tell you what my wallpaper is on my Mac right now. <laughs> it's Persona 5, I promise you. Uh, yeah, actually it is. It, it's the cast. It's Persona 5. It's the it's crew. The it's the crew. So, the Phantom uh, Thieves. I will say there is nothing quite like this game. And I love the style. It's just... It's super stylized in its own weird way, and there's nothing like it. Agreed. Agreed 100%, man. You'll never see it coming. <laughs> Best music's coming up later. Don't worry about that. Next game up on the list is Cuphead. Yeah. Good old Cuphead. Man, you want to talk about a retro hand-drawn design that... I feel bad for the animators. Like, yeah. they uh, We've seen the... Um, behind the scenes stuff where like this game was hand drawn like it, like as it looks like they hand drew every animation in this game for that game. This is an indie studio that did this by the way. Yeah. Um, it took them like what, four it, or five years. Oh God, I don't even remember how long I knew it was like, we were supposed to have this game like a year and a half ago, but understandable delays. Present presentation. There has never been a game like this. Period. From a presentation standpoint. No. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the audio in it, though. Like, I, I, I'm also not a huge fan of the art from back then. That style. The nice art, but it, like, I, I mean, there's, there's no denying it has its own style. And it is leaning on an older art style and nothing it, wrong with it. It's so... In a game... In a world where... We are so, I don't say engineered, but like we see so many games are like, it's got to be more realistic. It's got to be like stuff like this. And I remember when this game first was shown and came out, they talked about this retro style game looks like Walt Disney came in and said, hey, I'm back from the grave. I'm going to make a game. And like it was, for me, it was so awesome to see this game. And like, like it is in fluid motion. Looks just like an old nineteen thirties Walt Disney short. It does. Um, uh, I will definitely give it that. The very happy that 
they ended up taking it's not just the boss mode but you have like the run and gun modes as well it does offer a lot of variety for that gameplay but like the work that went in the animation of every single frame in here is impressive even more so for an indie studio and for them to turn out a final product like this is amazing and like it really feel from a presentation standpoint it's goal is to you're throwing back you're you're getting thrown back into the 1930s and it 100 nails it i think they do nail that with the audio whether you you know whether you like it or not thrown back into that audio um you don't you have to credit and give them like as I said, there's not a game out here that does this kind of art style or evokes this kind of, I say nostalgia very loosely for this this game. And to and funny enough, in its contrast, to be a, a game like that makes you feel like you're in a 1930s Walt Disney cartoon, and to play like you're on, like you're in Dark Souls on hard mode. <laughs> Is is something in and of itself, because it, it it is this game is very like you put it in your unforgiving. This game is unforgiving, like it, just like Dark Souls, just like Demon Souls, and just like Bloodborne. You have to you learn and you learn by losing and getting your. What what did I write above that? Masochists love it. Plebeians hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if you're if you're an easygoing gamer, I would not point you to a Cuphead at all. But if you are a Dark Souls fan or whatnot, you want to get your hands on this. This game is, I, 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 you can watch our stream on it. I think it's still archived over on our YouTube channel. Yeah, oh my God, it is, it is tough, but it's doable. There, there's a point to be said. The fact that when you have tough games that are just tough for the sake of being tough. Yeah. And then there's tough, like basically games that are. Look, this is a tough game, but if you if you watch the telegraphs. Know when the next moves are coming and know when to move and dodge. You can beat it, yeah. and that the that emotion and like I, you see it on stream when like I beat a boss like yeah we took him down. I know how I've never played any of the Dark Souls games. I've played a little bit of Bloodborne. I know how those guys feel when they take a boss down by playing Cuphead and going here and I'm like just yes I finally beat him after like seventy tries. Um. So <laughs> here here's the real question: Would you play a Cup Souls game? Oh, you should see some of the images. Uh, have you seen them online? Oh yeah. my god! When when he's doing the praise the sun at the start, like praise, it's so hilarious. Oh, I would love, I would play the hell out of that if they put that in that Cuphead style art. I would play the heck out of that, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, no Cuphead. That that again, I stand by my words. That is the most unique presentation style for a video game that we've ever seen not even just in 2017 but period and a part of me is that a part of me saw this and actually said, man why did it take us this long to get to the, get to that like have an art style like that but because it's labor intensive probably but yeah regardless it one of from a presentation presentation one of the most impressive one of the more impressive games that i've seen this year from a presentation standpoint cuphead most definitely um, that's why it's on the list. It's one of the nominees. <laughs> no, it's definitely unique. It's definitely. Next up, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. I want oh, to. I, I want to hear your points, especially 
and we've talked about it in other episodes before, at least as of this recording, you've, you're basically two and a half to three hours in. And like from a, from a presentation yeah. standpoint, why, why Hellblade? What makes it, what's, what's making it awesome? All right. So as you're going in, in the initial paddle in and you get in the little voices in the background, you have the art, which is actually, it's, the art isn't necessarily anything to write home about. It's not like if you're looking at, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn. It's impressive, like, from a graphical standpoint, it's impressive considering the studio. No, right, but I'm saying it's not anything that's necessarily, like, breathtaking. It's not unique. It's it's a take on a Norse mythological style of art and dress and all of that, but it's the way they handle it. Yeah. So it's like, all right, cool, so we, we don't have the money for 800000 artists we don't don't know they, so, i don't even think they had like maybe i know at one point they had one yeah an environmental artist <laughs> but that being said they had one so an, an environmental artist the fact that that person was able to put that enough detail in there to make it believable for what they're trying to do and then with the blur the lighting effects and everything else and the editing Going in, plus the way the audio presentation, the internal drama and dialogue she's having, because there's a lot of it. It is. You're not not kidding. It's one of those that it does kind of set itself out there as like, you know, there's a reason why I need to be taken seriously. And honestly, it's just impressive. It's like it's a super small studio. They were able to put in some serious amount of work. And they were able to put in some nice detail into certain areas, like as you're going through the rocks uh, in the secret path, they'd be able to go into Helheim. Like, they yeah. still have a lot of striations in the rock. There's still markings. There's the shadows can unlock doors if you're looking the right way and focusing on the right things. You know, there is detail there. It's just detail. It weaves it sake. into the gameplay. It, it makes it important, not just detail for the sake of detail. I'd agree with that. It, as far as presentation, what sells me more is not necessarily the art style and like the graphical prowess, but kind of as you were touching on before, the audio design mm-hmm. for this game is bar none. And we've talked about in other episodes, um, the sense of your of portraying this woman who has mental illness and a psychosis, and who hears these voices. And you boot up this game and it tells you, please, this game is best played with surround sound headphones. You're like, okay, sure. Like, again, I, I said it in an episode before, you have to play this game with the headphones. This, the audio design and the way it's done when you're fighting somebody, and you've experienced already, you're fighting somebody, and you're, sometimes your voices in your head will sit there. You'll hear them in the back of your head, like, dodge, you know, oh, watch out. And you have to like it's telling you to dodge. Somebody's coming up behind you, or if you're if you're low on health, they may start saying, "Oh, you, she's not going to make it. She's going to die." And it's all these different voices. You're sitting in when you have those headphones. I think you you could agree with in your fighting, it can get to a point where you're trying to block them out. There's a certain point you're trying to block them out, but then when they're like, "Oh, watch out!" You're like, "Okay, I'll I'll listen to you." No, 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 go away. I'll listen to you. Oh, and just the way that. From an audio design, like you said, the the art style in the is not anything to write home about. It's very beautiful, very beautiful game. I don't want to knock that, but 
when you couple that with the audio design, it really immerses you in this game in a way that has not been seen or done for in a while, if not ever. I can agree with you on that. It's really showcasing what this, this entire world you're in Helheim. Like I, like, if if you were if somebody were to ask me how should I play Hellblade, I would tell them, look, you can get your TV. You're gonna wait until the evening time. Make sure nobody's in your room. Turn all the lights. Turn off. all the lights off. Put the headphones on. Play the game. Like there were, this game is not specifically a scary game, but there were multiple unnerving moments because of how the audio was done. There, there are points where you're you're walking in these caverns and you hear this gnarling and whatnot, and I. Uh, quote spoiler for Hellblade Cinema Sacrifice a little bit not a huge one maybe like a minute or two I can explain this there's a point in the game later on where you're in these caverns and you have to rely on the light if you like you go find these torches and braziers and if you walk out into the darkness all of a sudden like your psychosis imagines you being chased by these enemies and you can hear like the claws gnashing and the weapons clashing and you basically, it you see this, like I'm sitting here in the light. Nothing's going on, but I'm like, oh God, I got to run over to that other light. Run, run, run. And you see, you hear him getting closer and closer and closer to you. And you're like, oh, I'm at the light. Okay, everything's safe. I'm in, I'm in the light. Everything's cool. And the fact that the audio design does such a great job of nailing that and bringing that in to make me feel that way, to make me feel as a person who does not, have mental illness and has never experienced that. That we know of. Exactly, that's right. The jury's you hang out with that. me. So, and <laughs> to pull you in so far to things that we've never experienced before is enough. Like Bravo, Bravo Ninja Theory. Like I think for me, presentation when I think of Hellblade, I think it's not necessarily the video; it's the audio. I it's can the, see that. It's the A and A V. You don't like that, like the little nerdy reference I gave you there. You liked it. Don't don't roll your eyes. You know you liked it. I don't know. I'm rolling my eyes and smiling. <laughs> it's like, but uh, I you, think you beat me to it. <laughs> but um, Hellblade, yeah, audio design. I think honestly, the way it's implemented, probably the best out of this list. I on the audio side, on the from an audio design standpoint. Yeah, I could see that. So. The last game on the list R-E is Resident Evil 7. Oh, my God. Now, this one you did see coming. Uh, to an extent, yes. With the chainsaw. <laughs> no. Maybe a chainsaw. i got to remember. It's been a, this game no. came out in early January. i got to go back and play it again. No, no. There's, there's a chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> uh, Will remembers. I can't. I remember you and Seth talking about it. Oh, I, I bought the game. I fired chain- it up once. Yeah. I haven't been, had a chance to go back. But yeah, I remember that chainsaw. I remember that chainsaw. So, Resident Evil Seven. You haven't had a chance to delve too much in this. So I, I, no, I, I've, I've, be, I've got like maybe thirty minutes in the game. I, what's really, I think one of the reasons. Well, I think one of the reasons this game is on list for best presentation from this year is that everybody remembers. Everybody remembers Resident Evil Four. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest games of our time. It's so awesome. Yeah, it came out. It was incredible. The gameplay. Oh, it's awesome. I, I bought it three times. GameCube. Um, Switch. No, PS4. PS4 and? Um, 
We? Yep. Okay. I'm trying to remember what it came out on. And it, everybody loved it. Now we got Resident Evil 5. Mm-hmm. Mixed bag, but people liked it. There were some issues people had in Resident Evil yeah. 5. It's kind of going in a different direction. Resident Evil 6. That was a dumpster fire. Dion, DOA. Don't worry. People hate no. it. It sold well, but. They shipped it. It, but people open the case and it's literally instead of a disc you have a small dumpster fire yeah it and then just like people bought the game but critically it did not do well at all and to what makes Resident Evil 7 I think why it's on why it's on best presentation is to come from 6 to Resident Evil 7 I feel like is the shift they made from Resident Evil 3 to 4 where you have the, you know, Resident Evil 3, it's your isometric, like you're in a static image and you're walking around third person. Resident Evil 4, it's behind the camera. Kind of felt pioneer with that mode, over the shoulder look. You're going from that, from 6 to 7, now you're in first person. Resident Evil, you're at. And it, it did such a good job of listening to, Capcom did a great job of listening to the community, going back to their roots, going back to... What made Resident Evil awesome, which is not necessarily zombies everywhere and action and guns and da da da, but also like the unnerving feeling, like you're going in, you're you when you go to the Baker residence, you have to go through this entire cavalcade of family members in this house. It's Dave did such a great job from the you've at least played the opening yeah bits when you're driving in, you're in the forest and you go in there. It, dude, I was, I remember first playing the game, I was afraid to go into the house because you opened the door and it was just pitch black. And I was like, man, I do not want to go in here right now. Do not want to go in here. Don't feel like doing it. You played that at night with no lights on, right? No, I didn't play that part. I played the other part where you're, I don't know if you've gotten to this far, where you find your girlfriend. I know about this part because of you and Seth. Okay, okay. yeah, no, slight spoilers for Resident Evil. It's in the early in the game. But the the part where you go, you basically save her. She gets taken somewhere you can't find her. You start going up the stairs. You go to the top part of the house. You get some keys, and you're like, crap, I can't get out. You And you have to go back down the stairs. Holy crap. You're sitting there, and then you see your girlfriend doing the exorcist crawling up the stairs. It's pitch dark, and all of a sudden you just see this hair, and you go, she jumps on you and throws you up the stairs, and that whole battle that ensues, the oh my god, it was oh that part, the part with the um with your hand, and that whole fight in that attic was just crazy, and really really drove home that Resident Evil's back, the way they you went from six to this action oriented gameplay to. When they come back in, and now it's this, it it felt more horror than Resident Evil had ever been in a long time. So what you're saying is they transitioned from House of the Dead back to Resident Evil. Yes, yes, hundred percent, yes. And Resident Evil, like probably one of my favorite games from this past year. It I I started that game and I just could not put it down until I finished it. I went through, going through the first person mode. Some people may have not, but it really helps to pull you in. Capcom did a great job, especially for a mode that they really haven't, kind of like Horizon. 
kind of even from third person to first person, they really have never dealt with before and kind of how they tackled it. Everything is creepy. Like all, it's all so unnerving. Well, now when you, you know, of course, as you get near towards the end of the game, it does get, you kind of feel that actiony sense, but there's still that overarching theme of like scariness and horror. Like I remember just the first part and the, the, the first part of the house that you're going into, like you have to go to the, um, furnace area down at the bottom and you have to open these cabinets and one of them has a zombie in it but you don't know which one it is and when you're turning the corner and all of a sudden it's like and this thing's coming at you like oh my god I just I mean honestly the most nerve wracking one is when you have um, Papa Baker coming at you oh in the hallway yeah just in the, in that house in general he chases you throughout the house until you like finally put a nail in the coffin you just after you first meet him, you might just turn the corner. He's like, hey, what are you doing, boy? It's coming for you. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, run. Um, it it really put my, I'm a, if you listen to Rock Punch Cast, you should know that I'm not, I'm a big fan of Dead Space. Huge fan of Visceral and Dead Space and what they did with one and two and three. Uh, somewhat three. But from that horror aspect, I really feel like Capcom not only helped Resident Evil, but also the horror genre with um, Resident Evil 7. Now, that that being said, I'm sure they did take a lot of cues from a lot of indie games like Outlast. That yeah. kind of did that first person thing a lot where a lot um, at, before them. But at a point where Resident Evil as a series was to make that game. Well, to be able to resurrect a franchise. Is no because small that's what it did. It yeah. resurrected it. it to, is no small feat and... They should be applauded for that in every sense of the word. I really like this. Is the game you put headphones on? No, you turn the lights off, and you you, you get down. We need to go knock on their door because I need the dragon radar back. Because <laughs> they went mushed on the dragon balls to be able to bring that back. No, 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 no. You don't need. You're fine, man. It's play this. You play this game at night. You play it with the headset on, with the lights off, with the lights off. It it just like it pulls you in so well. It's just in every you you will be afraid to turn every corner. You don't know what's going to be around there. But then if you take too long, Papa Baker's going to come on there like, "Hey, what's going on? What you doing? Let me give a pitchfork, poke you a little bit. Hey, you're going to die." <laughs> and he's not the only like all the other family members that you've run into have their own unique spin, their own unique tactics that you have to deal with. Um, probably the the son was the probably the fun one. Using that term literally, or not figuratively, not literally. Um, probably the one, the one that I did not like that scared me the most was actually probably mom. There's there's stuff in that part of the game. I was like, nope, mm -mm, nope, not happening. Not nope, 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 nope. And I think that we're talking about best presentation. It really does a great job of bringing that horror aspect back to Resident Evil, and they should definitely be applauded for it. Cool. Well, that's it then. That's all of them. All six. We're done. The nominees are done. We've done talk. We're, t we're talked about them. We're good to go. How? What's the time? I'm just gonna an hour, an hour and three minutes. Okay, we actually did better than the last one we did. Um, but we did. We had to set up a lot of stuff last time. But now, now it's time for games to walk into a bar. Exactly. And I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say this as well. As you said before, like to be no number one to be nominated on this list of six alone should be a feat in, in and of itself. And everybody should definitely applaud themselves for getting on 
in our, at least in our nominees section. But I think this will be at least what I'm looking at. This is going to be one of the harder decisions so far that I ha- I'll have to make as far as slotting who's going to get into the winner circle. Um, there. Make the case, man. What we got? <laughs> you, you, we're, we're, we're looking right. at this list. I, like, I'm looking at the list. Um, for me, two that would need to go fairly quickly would be Cuphead and Resident Evil. And why so? Um, so they're both un- unique and one resurrected a franchise. It's very tight as far as the way it's presented. And it's got it the, the horror genre nailed. But horror is not necessarily that uncommon. And I'm looking for, like, personally, I want something that's blowing me away. I'm not necessarily blown away by Resident Evil 7. I'm impressed by it. It, it like, like we've said, it, bring, it brought a franchise back from the brink. Okay. And it is a solid entry, if not possibly one of the best. It's up there with four. Just I'd, from what everybody's saying. Yeah, I mean, people call me crazy, but yeah, it's up there with four. I've because really, I've really seen videos it. of it. I've talked to you and Seth. Well, I've heard you and Seth talk about it, and then I've played a little bit of it. I need to finish the game. Like I said, I'm a half hour to an hour in. So I'm, I've am i seen some of it. I've watched a lot of videos on the others to prepare because I don't have time to play this and every other game on this list. Um, it's not possible. Yeah. Not between work and the rocket punch. That being said... Um, I don't think it's as strong as an entry as Hellblade, Persona, Horizon, or Legend of Zelda. Okay. And I, that, I, that would be my case for Resident Evil 7 being I, knocked off. Probably the, out of really talking and listening to all the words about these, Resident Evil 7 is the one... For me, Resident Evil 7 is the one that's shake, on shaky ground. And I think that's the one that's got to... Yeah, I, I think that's the first one to be called. Resident Evil 7 out. So, my reasoning for Cuphead is... It's an amazing indie title. That no bones about it. I'm not a fan of the art style. And I'm not a fan of the Steamboat Willie days. I can respect it, but I don't go out of my way to watch the old Walt Disney stuff. I don't go out of my way to watch stuff from that time period. I like no joke. I, I watch Dragon Ball Super every week when it airs. I, I'm I'm into that, like Futurama. Like I, I, I don't want necessarily the animation to be the focal point for me in that regard. I want the story they're pushing. So in, in this, in my case, it's like, what are Goku and his family going to do next time on Dragon Ball Super? Or what's going on in Futurama? Why is Fry's ass hanging out of a window? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Right. So that's kind of what I'm coming for. I'm coming for the story or the the shenanigans, and I'm not really showing up because it's. Dark Souls mixed with Steamboat Willie. Yeah. So, for me, is I can applaud them for making a game that's going to be physically intensive to make. Mm-hmm. And it's going to require a lot of skill. Definitely. I can applaud them for that. And it is its own thing. It's unique. It's just not for me. Yeah. I would not remove Cuphead from this list in any shape, form, or fashion. Um, when you're... For me, when you're when you're looking and talking about best presentation, from a presentation again, like I, I said it when I talked about Cuphead, no game, you no game ever looks like that ever. Period. And like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just the reason I say it is because the art style is 
I care little for it. No, I, I, I follow you. I mean, that's why we're having these deliberations. But um, a, for me, Cuphead is not like. Well, well, Cuphead is not my. I will. It's a. It was a favorite game. One of my favorites this this past year. It is not one of like. It's not my favorite hundred percent game this year. At least as of right now, I'm only I'm like a third of the way in it. Uh, about, maybe a little halfway. Um, from looking at it from a presentation standpoint, Studio MDHR nails what they're trying to do from a presentation standpoint. Hundred percent. Like they execute it on par or better than a lot of the games on this list as far as like this is here's our concept and here's what we're trying to do this is our execution and kind of the work and stuff they put in and nailing their art style and how they execute it is bar none like i dare say legendary granted that if anybody puts the work in yet you can do all that stuff like that but this is not a game that you are ever going to see again or in a long time for any reason or shape and whatnot and I would I would keep cut pit on here so I what would, would you call I would I'm looking at this list if I'm if I'm picking one I'm taking off persona 5 really I would take off persona 5 here on best presentation and the reason is that's one of one of the things I would knock off is because I don't Persona Five probably actually out of all the games on here has the most style. There's not even a question about that. There's no doubt about that. But I think that from a best presentation standpoint, Persona Five has that. If I don't know necessarily want to say if I you know if you take away the style, then it's just a it's a it's a JRPG. Not that there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a JRPG. And I think that from a presentation standpoint, the fact that it's on style, it's on um, its style and the way it kind of portrays and very in your face, very awesome in that way. It is awesome. But I also think that from styles and at least from what I think and look forward with a lot of other Cuphead is way more unique than Persona 5. Like to Persona 4, Persona 4 in and of itself has its own little bit of style as well. Well, nothing near Persona 5, but I think Cuphead is way more unique than that. I think, um, and I, I just feel like, not that it didn't do anything for me. It did. I fucking, I've been preaching Persona 5 from the rooftops. But from a looking at this at best presentation, um, I would, I would, I would I would put Persona 5 as one of the ones to kind of fall down from the top six. Interesting. That would be me. And so, um, so Persona 5 and Cuphead is at a stalemate as of right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I can't agree with Persona 5 coming off just yet. Um, I think what... This is uh, not an easy one. I, I we we talked about it, like this is not going to be easy to to pick and do. Um, I think man, this is really this is really hard. Like you guys, you guys at home don't know. Um, I think Hellblade stays. 
We can agree that Hellblade will make it to the top three. I, I, I think that Hellblade is one that, in its particular case, that audio design just nails it 100% of the time and wrapping you in that world and in not even just in that world but in cinema's mind as a, someone suffering from mental illness and I think that on that alone she's Hellblade's gotta stay it's gotta be put in the top three alright so we can agree that Hellblade's gonna make it at least okay Horizon and Zelda walk into a bar I don't know and uh, like, and I, I don't. I'm, I'm torn on that too. That's no, I like, just I don't know if you put those in a bar together. I don't know. I don't well, know that I could make a decision. So by ramming them into a bar, those so, just those two. Well, and so here was my reasoning. They're both open world. They both have a unique style. They're both console sellers. Bar none, no difference there. Um, that's why I was putting them in there is they are literally, Oh, there's a point there. Let me go. You know, like to the I extent could, more so legend of Zelda in that regard than horizon zero dawn. But I, I, the reason it's hard to see that for me is because I don't, I could see a world and that's what making this particular category I said it was so hard. I can see a world where both persona five and cuphead don't go into the top three. In Horizon and Zelda do, and, and that's that. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually would be more convinced. <laughs> like, and, it, and and that's why I said like you. I, it's hard for me to say to put them in a the bar, and I, and the reason I say that is because like I don't. So is it safe to say we put Persona and Cuphead in a bar and the bar explodes? <laughs> <laughs> like we're pulling up. I don't know. Like I, I really, the thing that's the thing that's with me is that because Horizon and Legend of Zelda are both masterpiece tier games. There's no, I my, our opinions. There's no doubt about that. I hundred percent. I agree. I think. I think if we want to get super super technical with this, I say Legend of Zelda goes in. I think that it goes into um, the top three. It's especially after the late latest bit of time that I've played with it. It has one of the most vast open worlds that I've ever seen, and again, from a presentation standpoint, I think that is a as an open world game in the concept of open world where you can go anywhere and do anything that does it so much better as an open world concept than any other game on this list. Yeah. Out there. You can go in, like you said, you can go see that stuff. I see that thing flying in the distance. I'm going to go fly on top of it and catch it. I'm gonna grab this minecart, use that minecart to fly. It because I, I told I need, you about that. I I have um I need to get some wood. Maybe if I use this axe to chop the oh sharp object on a tree, tree gets cut, break it into wood. Like now pick all up of a sudden I can light it. fires. I can take this hammer and destroy it and get flint, and I can take that amber and go and sell it. It is there's so the sometimes I wonder how much detail goes in that small ass cartridge. Every time I put it in my console. It's a 32 gig cartridge. And that's why there are open world games that are 50, 60 gigs. That don't have that detail. Yes, I know. That don't have that breath. Again, pun intended. That breath breath of of the wild. Yes. Of open worldness is the best word I could describe it there. And that's why I, Breath of the Wild has to go in. It has to go in. I'm glad you put more time into Breath of the Wild before this came. I I told you I was trying. Like It's not that I didn't. I, I Horizon came out. I was into that. 
Zelda came out and was into that. Went back to Horizon. Then other games came out. I'm like, I got to get back to Zelda. It was not a knock on Zelda. I just, I have to get back. And I'm so glad that I did as well. Uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I, it's just, it's in the fact that I got those feelings that I got when I was playing it earlier this year, I got back. Good. When I was playing it. And that's what I wanted. I'm like, I, 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 I was in, inside into my, Cameron's mind here as getting ready for Game of the Year. As I'm playing these games, I'm like, pulling in the feelings and the thought processes that I have when I first played them and when I played them after a certain amount of time and how I feel about each one. You don't think that these decisions that we're making are so off the cuff that it's just like, oh, whatever. you know. No, to be fair, we spent s- several hours playing these games. Yes, we have. I'm at 130 hours in Zelda. I, do you, can you find that out without getting the DLC? Uh, I don't know. I already have all the DLC. I know. I get the DLC. I did the past. I'm trying. I'm trying to beat the game, then I get the DLC. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be what they want me to be. Get the DLC afterwards. But no, no, no. I already have it all. I just haven't accessed it. And so the last, and and I think this is a better case. In the last spot, we get to. There's one more spot in the winter circle, and it's between Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona Five, and Cuphead. At that point, those three are in the parking lot, and they're all tied at the thumbs, and they've got the switchblade on the other hand, and they're doing the Michael Jackson thriller dance to see who comes on top. Like, yeah, your thought, your thoughts on this? <laughs> it's, 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 Here's my problem: Aloy's a cool character, and I know Joker's kind of bland, but the cast that is surrounding Joker, especially with the presentation of the art style. And the the quality of the animation. I'm sorry, if, if I had to give it to the other three, I'd give it Persona Five over the others. It's, and I'm I know that's not what you would want to hear, but I mean, that, 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 that would be my having, process. That's why we're having a deliberation about this right now. Because and I don't, like we can both agree <sighs> on Hellblade and Zelda. Yeah, I, I give it to them. I you know what? I don't. <sighs> but to me, like Horizon Zero Dawn is cool. It is a beautiful game. It it definitely set out to do what it was going to do coming from the guys that were, you know, the shooter bros. Cuphead is Cuphead. <laughs> to me, it, it's cool. It's not my game. I don't hate it. I don't like it. It's a unique art style, but I'm not a fan of the art. If, and, and, and that's the big thing is that, like, if I'm, if I'm picking these three in a weird roundabout way for best presentation... Cuphead, hundred percent. I would put my vote in Cuphead. That does. I love. I love Horizon Zero Dawn. I love Persona Five. I love Cuphead, and Cuphead's presentation is the most unique thing you're going to see this year. Like hundred percent. You're not going to see this year. Maybe in a real, like I said, in a really long time. <sighs> it unique this year. I, I couldn't agree with that. It is a unique art style. It is different take on presentation, but I can pull up Steamboat Willie and get a similar presentation. But we're talking about video games. We're not talking about right. But I'm saying, like, as far as like, oh man, it's never been done before. Like Hellblade has never been done before. <laughs> but that's for the audio side of things. Very true. So I don't know, man. Like honestly, for me, it's it's not that impressive. And it's. And, I mean, we can let it in the top three, but I definitely cannot agree on that being a number one at all, ever. 
Cuphead? Yeah. There's no oh, way I, mean, I can it, agree with that. I, I, if, again, if I'm putting a pick in all those three, I'm picking Cuphead. 100%. Fine. Let Cuphead in. <laughs> That's not the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> I, and it's, it's nothing against Persona 5 and Horizon Zero Dawn, but I think that that studio did something so unique and so different that it... Um... Now, you know what hill I am going to die on. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, before we start talking about this. Okay, right. so he's typed it in. A, a concession from Will. Because it was very hard. Like I said, this this I, we looked at this and we're like, oh, crap, we're in trouble. This is hard. In the Joker winner's circle. Will remember this. <laughs> in the winner's circle, we have Hellblade, Sin with Sacrifice, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and Cuphead. Now, three have come up, only one shall rise. You may continue your statement. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is the best present, presented game this year. Any other final reasons why for what we already so, haven't said? So, for me, it's the feeling that you get when you're going in this game. It's not just about the soundtrack or the measly soundtrack they gave us, not the real soundtrack that people had to rip off the cartridge mm. to be able to get all the songs. No, I'm talking about... And surprisingly, actually, let me step back. It's actually very good. The audio in there, it's just, it's designed to fade into the background. It's yes. not the striking, like, orchestra that we're used to when it comes to Legend of Zelda. Uh, is there, are there powerful moments? Yes. When it comes to music and audio design. I would say for me, though, as far as presenting a game to me, there's not a game this year that would top walking out onto the plateau for the very first time and being presented a part of this world that I can go explore. Okay. And the feeling behind it, that would be my number one. Your number one pick, Will's number one pick is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, I think between, um, I'm looking at these three games. Um, yeah, I mean, Cuphead's got great art. Legend of Zelda's got great open world. Hellblade's got great audio design. Looking at best presentation, um, I like what you said, but I think my pick for who should win is also going to be Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. It's not even I, 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 I'm not I'm not going to go on the limb and say that it's not a question. I think that Hell, both Hellblade and Cuphead make excellent arguments for why they should win best presentation but I think that I think that what Zelda has going for it is the sum of its parts entirely Hellblade has great audio design really good art style and everything like that Cuphead has great art and animation good combat Legend of Zelda has everything is encompassing, is tight. You have this open world, you have this go anywhere mentality, you have this great audio design. When you, I remember when I'm like, you're swimming, you hear the water running, when you're stomping on the snow, you hear it sounds like snow. When you're in the grass, it sounds like grass. When you're hitting and fighting against stuff, when you're chopping trees, it sounds like that. From an audio design standpoint, that's incredible in the fact that. When you're surfing down a shield, like on a shield, different textures 
cause different sounds. Yeah. If you're behind the sand, uh, the seals, in the grudo, yeah, you get a different sound than if you're sliding down the grass. But I think that it doesn't. Nothing compares. Like I don't say nothing compares, but it, I just think I think that what gives Zelda the lift is the sum of its parts. In my opinion, is that it's not again got to preach it to the choir. Play the other games. Play Hellblade and Cuphead. Play no, the all other six ones of on these the, games. Need to be six. played. It. I believe me, it hurts that Horizon's not on this list either because I love that presentation as well. But I think over-encompassing the sum of its parts, it really does everything right for a game that people had already had astronomical expectations for based on what they saw. And to get the game, and it exceeded even that, was is impressive in and of itself, especially from a presentation standpoint. I can agree with you wholeheartedly. So... Yay! I was ready to go into a full argument. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You're a crazy camera. No, I, I, I mean, shotgun was ready. <laughs> I had daggers ready to go. I was I was really thinking about calling in an M1A2 Abrams. <laughs> this is how Rocket Punch does Game of the Year deliberations, guys. Without further ado, the Rocket Punch Game of the Year 2017 winner for best presentation is going to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Let's give him a round of applause. Good job. Good job. Yeah. The um, other finalists in the winner circle, of course, are Hellblade, Sinua Sacrifice, and Cuphead. <sighs> Two awesome games in their own right. Will gives a sigh like, oh, Cuphead. I, it, it, Look, I, Hellblade, yes, it belongs there. Cuphead, I question. Yes, it belongs. You question. It's fine. It hey, belongs the, in the top six, hey, but that's, to me. That's why we have these deliberations, man. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But. So that's it, guys, for this episode of our Game of the Year Deliberations. We thank you guys so much for listening in and tuning in. Remember, go to rocketpunchgo.com slash G-O-T-Y. Go there. Check out the nominees. Check out when we're going to be releasing each of these episodes. Go and vote in our People's Choice polls. Vote multiple times. Doesn't matter how you do it. At the end of this month, when we talk about Game of the Year, we're going to talk about our People's Choice polls. We'll have a nice, good spread on our main page talk about all that but go vote make your voices heard um we appreciate you guys listening as well believe me we've got a bunch more deliberations if you thought that was intense so wait wait there's more no this is nothing <laughs> this <laughs> is not intense <laughs> this isn't even our final form nope we'll see you guys on the next episode until then toodaloo